have spent the last eight years trying to figure out how to have a connection with God outside of religion. And I've been on a quest to find genuine spiritual life. Are you looking for something real? Are you looking for connection? We are your host, Tim and Jamie Holloway. Welcome to the Real Connection Podcast. All right, everybody, welcome back to the Real Connection Podcast. Nice. I am with my host with the most. The most, uh, never mind, I'm not going to say that. <laughs> you going to say the most booty? Yeah, it was. <laughs> Jamie Lynn Holloway. <laughs> I like the sounds of that. Uh, it does sound good, doesn't it? It does. Yeah. Hey, so today uh, we're just going to dive into our topic. We're going to talk about love. Ooh, Ooh, I love the topic of love. Love. And I love you. <laughs> what is love? Baby, don't hurt me. No more. <laughs> yeah, I ain't so never hurt you. So. We're going to dive in deep because uh, we had some inspiration Love from our- Love deep. Where are you going with this, honey? <laughs> hey, I'm the one that's supposed to make the puns. Uh, yeah, I can too. Okay. Because I got plenty of buns. Pun. <laughs> uh, so love, what is love? What is love? We're going to come at this from, uh, you know, a faith-based perspective, of course, but uh, as we thoroughly do is probably examine culture. And uh, of course, yeah, if you don't like culture commentary, then it's probably not the podcast for you. <laughs> no, but uh, because you gotta first, make it practical, yeah, practical, right? So, the first thing I think of culture is like how twisted love is, yeah, and how it's used to uh, maybe control and to manipulate and all of these different things, control big time, manipulate right. big time, yeah, because like how many boys. Girls might do this too, but it's very well known for, for boys. Yeah. Baby, I love you. I love you. Can I get in your pants yeah, now? Yeah, can you please unbutton that button? Yeah. I love you. Yeah, it's Pull like- Pull down that zipper. Yeah. It's like, if I say I love you, I'm going to get what I want. Yeah, yeah. And in doing so, you're being very controlling, very manipulative, Um very sleazy. Yeah. That was funny because we were uh, talking about this topic. And then, of course, teenage relationships come up because, you know, that's the common thing is, you know, I love you within, I don't know, 48 hours. Not even that. Right. And One then, of our kids was like, yeah, he asked me to be his girlfriend. And then he was telling me he loved me an hour later. Yeah, and then sex was the next day. Yeah, uh, <laughs> not like, that it happened, but he was no. bringing it up. Yeah, he was bringing it oh, up. It, oh no, did he, he even bring up he marriage bring up, too? He brought like, up marriage and having see babies. Our, see, see ourselves together. You want to have my babies? It's like yeah. This is how fast the culture is moving. Uh, but in regards to the I love you, um, that's like the the open door that maybe brings up the rest of the conversation, you know, for it to for you, for the woman to feel safe. It's like, I love you. Right. Do you want to see my penis? <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, I think society has gotten two words mixed up and confused and it's love and lust. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Talk they, about that for a second, boo. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> because let's be honest, lust comes first, right? Yeah. Well, strong desire. Yep. Lust. Strong desire. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Strong desire for someone. Um, yeah. Especially like 
high school age, middle school age, because, you know, it's getting younger and younger now. They're lusting after each other. There's yeah. no love involved. Right, right. Um, you, people I want be, you and I want to get you naked. Yeah. Like when we were kids, it was cute. That's just puppy love. Right. That's just a cute way of saying you're lusting. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So think about it. You listen to these boys in high school talking to the girls. If you take the word love and replace it with lust, I, I lust, lust for you. you. <laughs> I lust you so that much. That sounds so much more realistic. Yeah. Because that's what they're doing. They don't love. Yeah. Well, let's well, let's dive into what love is, but let's just talk just for a second longer about uh, lust. I mean, lust is a, it's a passionate, it's like a strong desire. It's, you know, it's a, it's a craving and a longing. And all of that has to do with, you know, something that is taking place inside of the person doesn't necessarily have the best welfare for the other person involved. Right. Yeah. It's usually very one-sided, yeah. like, especially in the high school age. Um, even as an adult though, you can still have that lust. Yeah, go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, love then. Um, you know, we were we were talking today. Uh, what's, uh, yeah, it was today. It's it funny because we had. Uh, so our our daily devotional brought up love, and then our weekly devotional brought up love too. Yeah, and um, you know, love is a verb. It is, and and the thought that I brought up in that was then. The opposite of love is not a verb, and that's no action, inaction. I, you know, I loved how you put that because love is an action. Love is a, a feeling that comes and goes. Like there are days I just feel so, like I have an actual feeling in my body that I love you. Uh-huh. Right? Most days it's a commitment. So most it's, days you don't feel like you love me? Is that what you're saying? But I'm showing it, honey. <laughs> so most days, shut I, up. You don't have feelings of love towards me. <laughs> okay, hold up. Hold I'm, up. I'm glad this is coming out in public. Yeah. <laughs> okay, turn. This, do you f- have the feeling of love for me every single day? I get day? what you're saying. I'm joking with you. Yeah. No. Um, but it's a, it's an action. It's a verb. It's doing things. Yeah. Um, One of the things we were we were talking about that jumped out a lot too is like so neglect. If mm-hmm. inaction is neglect and neglect is opposite of love, because if I love something that I'm going to cherish it, uh, if I love something, then I'm going to basically take care of it. You know, those who love their cars, I mean, they're, they're spit shined and they're, they're super, super nice, you know, and that sounds so that, gross. Right, spit, spit shined. shined. <laughs> you know, people that love their house is, um, they, they, take care of and maintain stuff and it's it's yeah. kind of cherished and it's taken care of and you could tell the love that somebody has for a certain thing based upon the the effort they, they give to maintain it Ooh. yeah so when we think about like marriage and relationships in that fashion that um you know we think the opposite of love is hate but it's not it, it's really not the opposite opposite of love is simply neglect and yeah. I'm just like neglecting it because I don't esteem it highly or cherish it in my heart. Yeah, exactly. Diving into the um, the uh, Greek definitions of love. Let's do that for a yes, minute. Yes, because when earlier this week, so like to mention, we have the daily devotionals, which we do Monday through Friday. And then Sundays, 
we have our marriage journal. Go back and listen to that episode if you don't know about our marriage journal. In our daily um, devotionals, we had the love. Today, in our marriage journal, we had love. During the week when we were talking about love, you started, because we were talking about love and lust and like the different, there's different levels of love. Like you live, love your kids different than you love your spouse. You love your siblings, your parents, your friends different than your spouse. So then you brought up the, um, the different Greek definitions. Yeah. Greek definitions and like layers. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's like, um, so in the American language, uh, love means love. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? It could mean uh, it could mean cherish and different stuff. But the the Greeks had a word for each type of love, and it gave like a greater definition and a, and a sense of purpose uh, for that love and its kind of action and definition and all that. So we say I love you in English, but uh, in Greek, you know, it meant something you know far different depending on the the word that you use in the definition and stuff. Hello world. We're going to put that in our episode. Put it right at the beginning and say, hello world. <laughs> we are. Okay. Done deal. Bet. Oh, she just said it's on. It is on. You are going to be in our episode. We have bet. I bet you five bucks. Oh, five bucks. Two dollars. <laughs> I'm not rich. <laughs> Okay, so we'll get back to your thought in just a minute. Um, our daughter just came downstairs and um, was asking us a question, and she walked over to the mic and she said, "Hello, world." <laughs> <laughs> and she's, I'm like, "That's going into the podcast." She's like, "No, it's not." I'm like, "Yeah, it is." And then she said, um, "Yeah, right. Prove it." I bet you. I'm like, it is on and cracking because ain't nobody going to say I'm not going to do something when I've said I'm going to do it. So that's why we have this little clip in here. And here is her saying, hello, world. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, How funny. So diving into the, uh, (laughs) back to the topic at hand, Um, the Greek definitions and breaking it down. The first one to what we're talking about is uh, that's attached more to lust is, is eros. It's where we get the word erotic. Ooh. Mm. <laughs> erotic. That does nothing for me. Sorry. Huh? <laughs> that does nothing for me. It does nothing for you? Erotica? Oh, no. No, thank you. <laughs> oh, that's not my thing. No. That's not my thing. I don't eat that chicken wing. All right. So eros. <laughs> the first... Uh, uh, it was uh, after a fertility god, and that's why it's kind of the definition is like a sexual passion and a love. So when we're talking about culture, it's like, yeah, we we know eros pretty well. Oh yes, <laughs> we're 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 uh, thoroughly acquainted with the sexual passion. Uh, in fact, you know, it's uh, used as a manipulation device. Uh, to get to control people and to get people to buy things and all of these different things, you know, so. It's very, very controlling. We know Eros. The next one is uh, Phileia, which is uh, uh, like a brotherly love, which is a deep friendship. Okay. You know, I don't think uh, those bonds are very deep in culture today. You know, uh, when we say that we, we love somebody, it's usually the, the sexual passion one, but as far as like a deep friendship and creating a brotherhood and something deeper because Eros is just animalistic. It's just the impulses that you're born with and stuff. 
but going to like a more uh, deep friendship and to a just a deeper connection, uh, I think is super important. What I've noticed here also is though is though we might initially be attracted by a sexual passion, especially as we begin a relationship uh, with the opposite sex. But it should go from maybe that sexual passion to the next level of a deep friendship. It should. A good, right. healthy relationship. You will have that friendship aspect to it. Because imagine being married. I've been there. Uh, you speak for yourself. But, um, <laughs> you didn't want to speak for me? No, not on previous relationships. Oh, okay, okay. Um, I respect that. But... I wasn't friends. I didn't want to go hang out with him. I didn't want to do things. I didn't want to do any of that. Uh Um, There wasn't that level of friendship. We were not friends before. In the middle or at any point, we never built that friendship. So I think is like in order to have a holistic relationship, marriage with your spouse, you really need to have that friendship, friendship level. Yeah. In it. Because I can look at, I remember my sister one time, years and years and years ago, she came up to me in front of my mom. She said, who's your best friend? Tina. She's my best friend. Mm -hmm. She looked at me. She looked at my mom. She goes, who's your best friend? She goes, your father. Yeah. Yeah. And she goes, my best friend is Tom, which is her husband. Yeah. And I thought about it and I'm like, Oh, I think I answered wrong. (laughs) My best friend's Tina, (laughs) you know, and I just, I never had that best friend with a spouse. I look at you and you truly are my best friend. When something good happens, you're the first person I want to tell. Yeah. When something bad happens, you're the first person I want to tell. If I'm sad, like no matter what it is, you're the first person I want to go to. Yeah. I don't want to go to anyone else because you're my best friend. Yeah. You know, I think, uh, well, the evolution of the process of leaving that, that passionate form of, of, of love to a deep friendship. And when you think about it, like a marriage can't really be built upon passion alone. Um, no, cause at some point you're going to be old and wrinkly and your looks, yeah. looks are going to leave you. And well, think about that too, is that, um, so say your mar- marriage is built around sexual attraction and passion. And at the exclusiveness of a deep friendship, like, so, so you have like great sex, but you don't have deep connection. Yeah. You're just basically like butt buddies. (laughs) 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 Like what else is it? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that is so funny. So, uh, yeah. Number two is the deep friendship aspect of love. The number three and I haven't even heard of this one, but it's a uh, uh, L-U-D-U-S, Ludus. And it's uh, um, a playful love uh, where <laughs> a deep uh, friendship can be kind of like a, uh, where we talk about deep things, mission, purpose, priorities, just like this real oneness and, and interconnection. But then there's a playful love to where you're kind of... Um, not so serious, uh, giggly, joking around with each other. Um, the kind of, uh, uh, love that makes that, that inspires like flirtation and teasing and, and those sort of things that, um, 
um, something that we do on this podcast is that we banter and yeah. we laugh back and forth. This is all the classification of that very playful kind of love, which I think, uh, man, it really, really spices up life. You know, it does. It gets yeah. you to wrestle in the bedroom and <laughs> <laughs> like tease and flirt each other and yeah. flirt each other, flirt with each other. That's good. Yeah. That is good. Yeah. Because so, okay, if you're, all you have is like a lust and then let's say you like kind of start develop some deep connection, um, you know, the absence of this kind of playful, giddy type uh, messing around with each other, love coming up with, you know, nicknames for each other and like those sort of things. It's like. It's it's uh, it's very needful for a relationship, and it's cute. It is. Yeah. You ready for the next one? I am. I'm excited it's, to see what it is. I'm writing them down. It's the hardest one. It's the hardest one. Ooh. It's, I know. <laughs> <laughs> Again? It's, it's agape, and that is the uh, love uh, for e- everyone, but it has the idea of more of like a sacrificial and a selfless kind of love. Um, it's the love that they really consider as an attribute from uh, from God himself. So powerful love. I wouldn't say that uh, we as humans are very good at that kind of love. <laughs> I'm sure that we, how do I say this? We have pieces of that, but we're not perfect because we're human. And so God is the only one that has this one. As, like he has a down packed. Right? Yeah, because that's what he is. Yeah. That's what I feel. Yeah. That is what he is. He is agape. We we ha- can have that too, but nothing like the extent of God, obviously. Yeah. Um, And we're not perfect at it. Yeah. Yeah. It's I don't know. What do you that, think? That's what I think, um, you know, it would be idealistic to say that, you know, as uh, people that believe in Christ, that they, everybody walks in agape. It's like, it's just not reality. Um, but I do think it's a, it's a ideal or a personification to grow into. Uh, but even then, a lot of our love on earth is very conditional. Yeah. You um, go cheat on me. We done. Yeah. Yeah. And you might still have some sort of love for the person, but it's not, it's not what it once was after, you know, those sort of things happen. So for me, um, you know, I'd leave that kind of love with God and then leave it as something that, you know, I would like for him to work in and through me. But then I, I give myself grace and understand that uh, uh, I'm not God and that I don't have agape down yet. And I haven't met a person yet who does. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. You're just, you're kind of practicing, you're working at it. You're doing your best. What I do want to say about like the God kind of love is that, um, you know, since it's unconditional and loving that I think we should look back to the cross and, and experience, you know, how much God loves us because I think we have a great tendency to look at our what's going on in our life and determine if God loves us. Yeah. Um, and that could be, you know, you could be going through a very painful situation. Like people have lost their children and or they lost their parents or, or, or multiple different painful things that be could be currently taking place in their life and then come to the conclusion that God doesn't love them. 
Yeah. Where I think our focal point should be on, you know, what he did for us and, and what happened on the cross and all those different things to say the, the thought and idea of God's love is established and it's kind of like set in stone and there, there, um, I can face the difficulties in life and not question his love for me. Yeah. 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 Cause it's a perfect love. It's not conditional. Yeah. It is unconditional. 100%. Doesn't matter what he perfectly loves you. Yeah. yeah. And that is something we can't experience from anyone else because nobody else is perfect yeah. except me. um, You know, I think what's missing in the world today, though, is a loving God. um, Oh, yeah. Because, you know, inside of religion and everything uh, that is systematically laid out, like a loving person wouldn't wouldn't do some of those things. And so uh, and society also has uh, painted God as non-existent and or very uh, angry and mean in general. So. I think we are missing a loving God inside yeah. of, you know, culture and especially inside of religion and stuff, you know? Yeah, exactly. Um, I read, I'm pulling out of my phone right now. We'll be able to tie this in. But yesterday I was on Instagram and one of my friends posted something on their story. Uh-huh. And I'm just going to read it because it was so good. Um, it says, Jesus not, is not a politic- politically correct wimp. Jesus wasn't crucified for being nice. He was crucified for being bold and confrontational. Don't misunderstand. He was the kindest man who have ever lived, but he wasn't a sap. He knew when kindness was called for and he knew when it was time to get up in somebody's grill and challenge Mm -hmm. them with the (laughs) truth. God has not called us to be nice. He has called us to be good. Nice people Nice people never confront evil and error, but good people do. Yeah. And I don't know who said that. It's Um, powerful. It's really powerful. Yeah. We have this uh, uh, Ned Flander uh, form of Christianity where it's like oakley doakley and, and, uh, you know, there's this uh, sense of uh, nice guy uh, syndrome. If you haven't uh, read uh, No More Mr. Nice Guy, I, I guarantee if you read it, you'll, you'll, you'll get a clue. Uh, nice guys really do finish last and you have to, you have to get some grit about you and you have to be passionate about something and you have to have a cause that you're willing to, to die on. And, and nice guys just simply don't do that. No. Uh-uh. Um, but as far as like uh, Christ and Christianity, you know, flipping the tables, uh, going into the clearing the, the house of worship and and uh, getting all the money changers out and whipping them with whips, you know, like like nice guys don't do that. And so getting this view of Christianity of uh, of a radical form of love um, that he was so motivated by love that it would compel him to do some of these things that were considered uh, taboo or just, you don't do that, right? Yeah. You don't go into the church and start whipping people. Like, no. that's not even acceptable in our society, right? Yeah. <laughs> you just don't do that. Yeah. But he he had to stand up for what was right. And the problem is now is that people are not standing up for what is right. They're being the nice guy. How that came from love, I don't know. <laughs> but it, like as we were think, talking, you know, it reminded me of the uh, that little quote or saying or whatever um, that I just read. Yeah. So as we were talking about the the brotherly love, uh-huh. the erotica love, the playful love, and the agape love, uh-huh. 
There's two more. Oh, is there? Yeah. Let me just spit them out real quick. Okay. That way we don't miss them. This one is uh, called Pragma, and it kind of sounds like it probably comes from Pragmatic, which is a long-standing love. It's a love uh, classified by uh, couples who have been together 40, 50 years in their in their elderly years. It's a, it's a long-standing type of uh, very uh, pragmatic type of love. And the last one I can't even pronounce, but it's the love of you, uh, of yourself. It's self-love. Um, it could, uh, it's, it's, um, it has a classification with narcissism. It's not like we classify it today as oh, you should love yourself. Like they kind of take care of yourself. That's not it. It's a very selfish, narcissistic, um, very self obsessed kind of love. So those are the Greek definitions of love. And, uh, you know, it's kind of interesting to, to look at them. Uh, it's very it interesting. Is. Yeah. So after you saying the last two, I had my thought that I'm going to go into the very last one, the selfish love one kind of throws a little kink in it, but. Well, I think that one you would just, uh, these are no order of importance, but I would put that, that one at first with the arrows. So yeah, yeah, put that one at first and then you kind of, they evolve into this greater love, just like you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Society is turning into this kind of a love, though, the self-obsessed. You're number one important in this world. You're the most important person in your house, in your relationships, in life, in this world. You are the most important grain of sand there ever was. (laughs) The most important grain of sand. (laughs) You got to comment more on that because that is so good. Well, Talk about the grain of sand. Yeah. So the... um, Okay. That's going to be the title for this episode. Yeah. God, like how many times did God say, um, you know, you are so important, like you, like, I love you and you're important, but you're like a grain of sand. Yeah. Yeah. So look at all the people that who have lived on this, on this earth, those who have gone before us, the ones who are going to come after us. I mean, how many people is that? It's like a grain of sand at the beach. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's kind of reminds me of what is your life? It's just a vapor of smoke. You know, it's here today and it's gone tomorrow. And so really, uh, yeah, the grain of sand idea, that's really good. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but the, uh, so the, the grain of sand is, is, it brings us to the point of, we should consider our insignificance. Now, this is not a very popular uh, no. mindset to consider uh, how insignificant you, you are, um, you know, like a grain of sand. So there's become a flip in society and culture and the self-love movement has led to it that I am so significant. And, you know, back in the day, it was like, you know, uh, I forget how they worded it, but if you, it was like, if you leave this job, like put your hand in a bucket of sand and run your fingers through. And that's how quickly, you know, time moves on and you'll be replaced. And yeah. so this thought and idea of this arrogant, unreplaceable sort of thing, it's like, there's nobody like me. There's nobody who could do what I do. And this arrogant, like flipping attitude of like, you're so significant. Um, I think that's permeating culture today and we're seeing it manifest in this extreme self-love. Yeah. Well, the problem with that is if um, I'm number one, I'm most important. What's that make you feel like? In this relationship, <laughs> yeah. I'm nothing. She doesn't care about me. It's all about her. Like that makes you feel horrible. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So take kind of, you know, taking out that, that self-love, self-obsessed because that's unhealthy. 
If you look at these other ones, there's the brotherly, the erotica, the playful, and agape, and the long-standing. Because we try and look at everything, like me and you, we try and look at everything in a holistic manner. Yeah. The perfect love would have all of that. Yeah. It might sound funny when, you know, you talk about erotica and it comes and goes, right? But... I got uh, one thought. Just okay. let me add it in there. That's fine. Is that the first one is uh, childish, right? Uh-huh. So it's a very narcissistic, me-centered love. And so that's where the, we all- Which one is that? The very last one we talked the about. Lo- oh, the self-love. The love of self, okay. yeah. That we all come into this world, you know, highly indebted with that. And then maybe- the start of the process of growing, it does start out with eros and passion and stuff. And then it leads to those other ones. So if you were talking about a process of evolution, I would say that that self-love is very permeated, narcissistic. And then we, we, we go into, we start a relationship with, with eros, with sexual passion, and then it grows into those other ones. So I do see a, a starting point and a progression. Yeah. Well, and you think about it, okay? What happens to mine in your relationship if we lose the playful aspect of love? That would suck. Yeah, I like being playful with yeah, you. Right? Yeah, absolutely. What about the erotica, the physical attraction? What if we lose that? Yeah. That would suck. Yeah. Same with brotherly. That would suck to lose that. Yeah. You know? So I think it's important to have all of these healthy ones, not including the self-love one. Um, it's important to have all of those. Yeah. Because you have all of those and it creates a very holistic love. Yeah, well, even if you oh, say, say I know the the self left one is 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 uh, tends towards narcissism, but what if on the other side it is an appropriate amount of self love where you care for yourself and you honor yourself and you respect yourself? That would be foundational for some of the other ones. So it would be yeah. because a healthy self love is watching what you eat, exercising. Um, making sure you're good mentally, spiritually, spiritually, yeah. financially, relationally, yeah. financially. Yep. That is true self-love. It's not this BS the society is say- saying is this healthy self-love where you're number one, you're the most important grain of sand there is. <laughs> like, you know. Let's go do some shrooms. <laughs> go, Yeah, go do some shrooms. Get your nails done. Girls night every every weekend. Like... Yeah. That is so freaking selfish to think that that is what you need for self-care. Self-care is not that. And we've gone into this before. True, healthy self-care is watching what you eat, making sure you're good spiritually in your relationships, your exercise, you're yeah. taking care of yourself. Yeah. That kind of self-love and self-care is very important. Because if you aren't taking care of yourself, how can you be, how can I be healthy in our relationship if I don't take care of myself? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That's really good. Yeah. Boom. Thank you for joining us today on our quest for real connection. Make sure to rate, review, and subscribe and to share this with somebody you know would benefit from this content. 